Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. What did we talk about last week? Healing. So we're just going to quickly run over a couple things. That Those scripture sheets that I had last week, we did uh, scan them and put them in the computer. So if you'd like a copy of those, I didn't bring any out tonight. If you'd like a copy of this, we can email those to you. You just let us know and make sure we have the correct email address. We can and get them to you. So last week we talked about healing because right now we're in a season where we need to be built up in healing. We need to know for ourselves that healing is, 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 is important. And we went to Matthew, the 8th chapter, the 1st through the 5th, 17th verses, and we found out four things about, about Jesus. The biggest thing we found out is that his willingness to heal you. You know, it's one thing I've heard all my life. Well, we know God's able. Well, big deal. The devil knows God's able. But you have to know he's more than able. He's willing. And so we covered willing, the willingness of Jesus. We covered his authority, his right to command sickness to go. We, we, we saw his compassion. We saw it in action when the leper came to him, a man who wasn't even supposed to be out in public. And that man was close enough to Jesus that Jesus reached out and said, of course, when he said, if you want to, you can heal me. And Jesus reached out his hands and said, of course I want to. He reached out and touched that man, something you do not do. Because it's contagious. And yet Jesus, in his compassion, he reached out and he touched that man. And lastly, we found out about his capacity to heal. So many places it says, or, or at least it implies, that when he, that people came to him in multitudes, he healed them all. Without question, without reservation, without qualification, without restriction, he healed them all. God is still in the healing business. Jesus came to do the will of his Father. He healing is provided for all. So I told you that we were going to be talking tonight about reasons why people aren't healed. But let me just go back and back up a little bit and, tell you, and just remind you that healing, Jesus is the, he is the children's bread. As a child of God, healing belongs to you and me. We have a covenant of healing. Now, God in his mercy has provided healing without reservation. And so people who are not even born again, God can heal them as well. And many times he does, just, just as a demonstration of who he is and of his capacity to love them. And so we know that you find that in Matthew 15 and in Mark 7. And then if you look over at Luke in the 13th chapter, you know, he was, uh, Jesus was talking about the woman who was bowed over. And he said, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loosed on the Sabbath. Well, she's a daughter of Abraham. The Abrahamic covenant is still in effect for you and me today. Hallelujah. You know, pastor was talking about the blood of Jesus on Sunday and so much, I mean, there was so much good stuff in that. And you know, because I have a medical background, I was sitting there and I suddenly went, you know, there are um, four basic blood types. O, A, B and AB. Now, they can be positive or negative. But you've got four different blood types. Jesus does not fit into any one of those. The blood of Jesus, the rarest blood that there has ever been, because there's only one person who ever had his type of blood. No other type of it because his blood came from his father. There is no other blood that has ever been known 
that can do what the blood of Jesus has done. And his blood was shed for you and me, for our salvation, for our healing, for every single thing that we would ever need. His blood is the provision of that. And so it just, you know, I just wanted wanted to put that out there. If you put it under a microscope, they wouldn't be able to classify it under O, A, B, or A, B. Nothing. Because they would look at it and go, what is that? It's the blood of Jesus. Oh, that thing that cleanses us as white as snow. Hallelujah. God is just so good. So, you know, we have, when it comes to healing, that's part of our inheritance. You know, if you go to Ephesians 1, verse 11, it talks about whom, by whom, it's talking about Jesus, by whom we have an obtained an inheritance. You know, this daughter of Abraham, she had an inheritance of healing because of the covenant. Colossians 1.12 says that he's made us meet or qualified to be partakers of the inheritance. And I'm telling you what, for us, we know about inheritance. Go with me to Acts 26. You could probably quote this, but we're going to look at it and read it again, just the same. Hallelujah. This is our job. Our job, Acts 26, 16, this is what we've been called to do. You know, and we're just going to, well, we start in verse 16. But rise and stand upon your feet. For I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness. Both of the things which you have seen and of those things in which I will yet appear to you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. And this is our job, verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified or set apart by faith that is in me. That is our job. Because the primary, one of the primary reasons why people don't get healed is because they don't know healing is available. They do not know it's for them. They do not know the price that Jesus paid. They do not know that God has already taken care of it. But you know, it's our job to let them know what their inheritance is. You know, before we get any further into this list, which is not, it's a, it's not an exhaustive list by any means about why people don't get healed, let me just go back and just say this. Ephesians 4.27 says, give no place to the devil. And, and we have to realize that there are times when we give place to the enemy. And it's kind of like, you know, when we, were at, we first moved into the house that we're, we're now in, we moved in there and just we hadn't been there very long and and it was a Saturday afternoon, beautiful blue skies, beautiful blue skies. Nothing was going on anywhere, and suddenly the power went out. And I'm going, what? I mean, what? What is this all about? And so after a couple hours, we went looking to see if we could find the power truck, you know, the, the repair people. And, and finally, way down the road, you know, we saw somebody, and wasn't too long, the power came back on. Listen, if, if you're sick and you're not getting healed, you need to go find out where the power line's down. Because your faith is the thing that you can use to plug into the power of God. But if, if it's not working, if the line's down, you need to go find out. Now, for us, we're kind of going... Our whole neighborhood, everything's underground. I mean, what could be possibly wrong? Well, the line coming down the main, down, down 778 to get into my neighborhood wasn't underground. 
So there was a problem along that line back there. Sometimes you've got to follow it back a ways to figure out where the problem is. But you, you can't get the power back on until you identify the problem. And we have to identify the problem and then do something about it. Now, honestly, the, I'm, I'm going to say this before we get into this. There are some people who want to be sick. I, you know, that's kind of hard for me to believe. It may be hard for you to believe. There are people who enjoy being sick. Or do they enjoy the pain? Well, maybe they don't enjoy the pain. They like the attention that it brings them. They like the sympathy they get from being sick. They like all of the, the, the people hovering around them, doing for them, and, you know, all this. They, they, they enjoy that. Would they say they enjoy it? No. They're, of course they're not going to say that. But, they, but they, they don't mind being sick. The fact is, it's, it's good. Some people thrive off crisis and drama. And being sick is crisis and drama. And so we, can't, we cannot get to the place where we're willing to accept sickness in any form, small or large. But so many times we put, put ourselves in the position where eh, it's, just, it's just this. I can, I can handle that. God doesn't want you to just handle that. He wants you to use his word and see your body line up with the word of God and, and come in, into, into play with what he's already provided for you. Why would you not want to take advantage of what you've already been given? You know, just because sickness shows up doesn't mean that, that there's anything wrong. Sometimes it's like Brother Hagin said. He said one time, he said, I haven't had a headache in 40 years. He said, I've passed up many opportunities. And I remember him talking about one time how suddenly a headache just came on him like this, and he just went, no, you don't, and it was gone. You know, there are lots of opportunities you and I may have to let sickness in our bodies. It's up to you to decide you're not going to put up with it. You say, nope, not today. Mm -mm, not today, devil, not today, not tomorrow, not the next day, no. You have to put your foot down and say, absolutely no. Okay, so we've already talked about the very first one, uh, about some people just don't know that God has provided healing for them. Some people have been taught wrong. Tradition says that, well, we don't ever know what the will of God is. Really? Really? You don't know what the will of if you ever hear somebody pray, now, Father, just need you to meet their need. I need you to, to heal their body if it be your will. No, 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 no. Faith can only be exercised where the will of God is known. If you can't figure out from what's clearly written in these pages that it is the will of God to heal and to always heal, then I need to send you back to reading class. And let's see what we can do about it. Some people have been raised in traditional environments, you know, where they say it's just not God's will. I, you know, I, there's been a lot, of, a lot of that. Well, God knows best. Well, we don't understand the, the ways of God. We don't understand why God. Number one, you're putting the emphasis on why God didn't do something. Remember last week we said John 10, 10. The thief is the one who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. How can it be any more clear than that? And he said, I, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. More abundantly includes a healed body. It's not an abundant life if you're sick. 
You have, to, you have to understand that the life abundantly is full of blessing. The inheritance is overflowing. That the blessing of God overtakes you every single day. That his benefits are just widespread and glorious. And you can have every single one of them. Hallelujah. So, you know, we, we can't let tradition get in the way. And what other people seem to say. You have to go by what the Word of God says. And you have to point people back to the Word of God for them to get past. Ignorance isn't a cuss word. It's not a bad word. It's just they don't have knowledge of. That's all it means. We have to get people to get their attention on what the Word says and believe what the Word says. And just like last week, I talked about the fact that if, if people understand and they really think that it's always God's will for, pe- for you to be born again, then you're saying the same thing. Because when he provided your salvation as for being born again, he provided your healing. It's all one and the same price that he paid. With all the benefits tied to it, they all belong to the believer. Hallelujah. Number two. Why don't people get healed? It's called mental ascent. There have been so many times over the years where you talk to somebody who is ill and, and, you, and you begin talking about, about the healing power of God. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I know. You know it, it's going to be fine. And that's the end of the sentence. I, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. That is mental ascent. You know why I know that? Because they don't follow it up with a confession of faith. You know, when you get an opportunity, when you've got, we've got sickness in your body, and somebody gives you an opportunity to say, how are you? You may have symptoms in your body, but you better follow up a description of those symptoms with, but I'm healed by the blood of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the authority I have taken over this thing. And it has to bow at the name of Jesus. There's got to be something connected to this. I remember years ago, and I've got so many examples from 40 years, uh, but I remember this lady years ago who had, who had breast cancer. And we would go and we would sit with her and talk to her and, and try to encourage her. And all she would ever say is things like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. And never once did I ever get the sense that she really believed God. Never once. You know, you can speak the name of Jesus. You can, you can plead the blood of Jesus all day long. But if you don't believe it in your heart, it's not going to do a bit of good. We, ha- we have a tendency sometimes to go around making empty confessions. Void of any power at all. Because it's not in our heart. In Romans, it talks about that real faith comes out of the heart. It's got to get from here to here. There are a lot of people who aren't even born again who know the word. <laughs> you go to a lot of ecumenical type churches that have been to seminary, and they can spout all kinds of scriptures to you, and some of them aren't even born again. They know a lot here, but they know almost nothing here. You've got to be careful that that uh, the, the word doesn't move from here to here. And sometimes we've made that mistake that we've let what was once in our heart move out of the heart realm into the head realm. 
Let me suggest, if that's you, if you need to double check on that, there's two small books in the bookstore. One is called The Real Faith, and the other one is, is What Faith Is. If you don't know what real faith is all about, those two books would really help you an awful lot. Number three, sometimes people don't get healed because they're depending on somebody else's faith. A spouse, a parent. You have to know this for yourself. When the symptoms are in your body, it's up to you. Now, as a, as a parent, when your child is, is sick, when they're young, you have authority as a parent to step into that place and believe God for your child's healing. But as they get older and they come to a knowledge of God and they can read the word for themselves, it becomes more and more imperative that they begin to believe God for themselves, not just depend on mama and daddy's prayers, not just depend on mama and daddy's faith. That's not going to help them. You know, it's our job as parents to teach them how to believe for the things that they're going to have need of when they're adults. They're going to have to learn it now. And it's, there's, there's no reason why we can't let them, as, as young children, believe for some of the things that they want so that when they have things that they need, they can believe God. When, when you send them off to school, and they find themselves in, in a drastic need of something at school. Mama's not there. Daddy's not there. They get hurt out on the playground or in on the ball field. If they know how to believe God for themselves, they can take authority over any accident or anything that's happened while they're away from you. Do not put them in a position to not be able to do that for themselves. We need to teach them from the earliest age possible how to believe with the heart and how to speak it with their mouth and how to expect that the name of Jesus will work every single time. They can be a testimony on the playground. They can be a testimony in the classroom, not just to classmates but to teachers. And that's what we need to be doing. We don't need to let them become so dependent on, on us that they become codependent. You know, they can't, they can't function spiritually without us. Our job is to make them spiritually independent so that when they leave your home at whatever age, even just to go to school, that they're able to recognize and understand what they need to do to put God's word into play in any situation they come up against. Uh, there are times when people are not, are not healed because they're just not persuaded. It's called unbelief. They're not persuaded. You know, Paul talked about, I'm fully persuaded. You know, when, when it comes to the area of healing, we need to be fully persuaded. Uh, you know... In Matthew 13, verse 58, it talks about Jesus, how he was in his own hometown. And he said he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. Unbelief is a killer. You know, if you think, well, God can heal a cold, but can he do this? God, can, God might heal a cold, but he might not heal. No, you've you, you got to deal with unbelief in all of its facets in all of its varied forms, which sometimes it comes disguised as, as other things, we've got to un recognize unbelief for what it is and deal with it. Sometimes people get, get into a place where they're not able to be healed because they're surrounded by unbelief. 
I think I've told the story of this lady who was uh, my, one of my Sunday school teachers back when I was in junior high. Wonderful lady, loved God. She was just so sweet. You know, she was the one who taught me a, a great life lesson. Ladies don't sweat, they glisten. I've remembered that all these years. <laughs> she said, horses sweat, ladies glisten. I'm going to say, don't say you sweat. <laughs> She's just the sweetest lady. And, you know, as, as time went by and we got uh, in, in, well, Pastor got involved in the Word of Faith, she kind of got a hold of those same books. And she was, I mean, she was, a mighty, she was a wonderful lady and just a mighty woman of God. And she began to see some things in the Word, and then she was diagnosed with a, a form of cancer. And, and you know what? She was making some real strides until she found herself surrounded by people who did not share that same persuasion. And in the end, she gave up. It didn't have to be. You know, sometimes people find themselves surrounded by people of unbelief because they're in the wrong church. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you, well, I'm talking to the choir. But when you, when you know people who should know better when it comes to healing and they've decided to go somewhere that is not adamant, no holds barred, unequivocally, set on the fact that God's will is always to heal, they will, take, they, will, they will back up and they will stop and they will let go of what they learned in a place like this. And it doesn't take that long. You know how I know? Listen to them talk about a year later. And you can tell they've been around people who don't share that same conviction that it is always God's will to heal. It's important where you go to church. Even though we talk about victory too much, it's important where you go to church. Wouldn't you rather go somewhere to tell you that victory is yours? It's always yours? Than to go someplace where you say, well, now you know, just, just, just hold on here. You know, don't get too carried away with all this stuff. You know, it's not, we don't always understand, you know, what God's doing. You know, maybe he's doing this to teach us something. He's already done something to teach you right here. I could meddle a whole lot about right about there. What you need is to be surrounded by a bunch of crazy faith friends. That's what you need. Not by a bunch of doubting Thomases. That's just going to get you dead. That's all it's going to get you. But man, if you can find some faith friends who will get in there and who will take you by the hand and agree with you and keep you encouraged and keep you built up and who will pray for you and, and will and not let go, I tell you what, just like that man, he picked up his bed and walked off and let somebody else repair the roof. But that's what you need. You've got to find yourself in a place where faith lives where faith is exerted, where faith will grab a hold of the things of God and faith won't take no for an answer. Amen. All right, next one. How about disobedience and rebellion? Mm -mm -mm. You could do a lot of meddling right there. There are some people who are in, in absolute disobedience and then wonder why they can't get healed. People who are in rebellion in some areas. Oh, outwardly it doesn't look like it. 
But inwardly, they're not going to do what you say. They're not going to do what the Word says. They're not. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Sometimes we're just in absolute disobedience to something God has told us to do, and we just can't figure out what the problem is. We've left an open door. Disobedience and, re and rebellion swings open a wide door. And sometimes we don't want to call it what it is. When we're in disobedience, we need, to, we need to check up on ourselves and say, okay, what has God told you to do? I was telling Kat and Mark's story the other night, you know, after, I think it was Sunday morning, about uh, some disobedience that I found myself in when it came to finances. And we were in one of Dad Hagen's meetings in, in Lakeland. And the last night, Friday night, because you know, he would always be, always be there for two weeks, and on the last night of the week, we on Friday night, we would go out to eat with a bunch of people, and, and then we would head home. You know, Lakeland's only two and a half hours away. It's not that big a deal. So even though it was maybe 11 o'clock or 11.30 when we'd leave Lakeland, I mean, it was, it was, it was fine to get home. It's easier to get home and, and, and be in our own bed, you know, before the night was out. And uh, this particular night, you know, it was late when we left Lakeland, and, and during the service that night... Uh, I had already a set amount for the offering that I had in my head, and the Lord told me to do something different. That different means bigger. Okay. Um, and so I chose to ignore that. And so on the way home, he's falling asleep in the car, and we're coming up 75, and I'm sorry to tell you this, but I don't do the speed limit. You know, I don't get too crazy over the speed limit, but I do not do the speed limit. Um, and so that night, I was not doing the speed limit, but we were coming up, getting close to Ocala, and in here, I heard slow down. Well, just like I had ignored that same voice when it said to give more in the offering, I ignored the voice that said, slow down. And in just a moment, there were blue lights behind me. Now, it wasn't just a ticket, it was a big ticket because it was a construction zone, even though there was no construction people there. So I was like, really? You know? <laughs> but anyway, there was no construction people there, but he still gave me a ticket that was double because it was in a construction zone. And so I was, I was royally mad. But I knew I was royally mad at myself. And, uh, you know, and I just thought, obedience will bring blessing disobedience will cost you big time. So instead of God getting that offering and me getting blessed by it, the state of Florida benefited from my disobedience. Healing is the same way. I'm telling you what, we, that's what Mark and Kat and I were talking about, is, is in the area of finances, it's more connected to other things than you realize. If you're not going to be obedient in the area of finances, it can cost you in other areas. If you're in rebellion in, in other areas, it can affect more than just that one particular area. But I know finances is a big one. You know, that, that night it cost me a lot of money. I was not happy. <sighs> not happy at all. But anyway, we need to go back and we need to check up on those things and see, are you in rebellion? Is there something at church you don't like? Something you go around complaining about to other people? That's called rebellion. 
Oh, thank you for that one, amen. You know, there's been lots of times over the years when it comes back. You hear people's, you know, um, issues. You see their issues. They're not respectful to the pastor, not respectful to the associate pastor, not respectful to their department heads, always want to do it their own way, don't like the way that we're doing it. Nobody asked you if you liked the way we're doing it. If you volunteered to work, you said by your volunteering that you were willing to work in the auspices of the person that you were going to be under, willing to do it their way. If you're in rebellion, you need to do some checking up. You need, you need to take stock of what's going on. It can cost you. Your refrigerator broke down. Your washing machine broke down. You know, God's not putting anything on you, and God's not withholding blessings, but when we open the door and give place to the enemy, he is free to come in and attack all areas of your life. All areas. So we need to make sure our attitudes are straight. Maybe rebellion at work. Maybe you're giving your boss a hard time. I know Zach has got his testimony about how, how he, was, he was just very disrespectful to his boss and very um, unsubmitted to his boss at work, and, and he, he suffered because of it. Rebellion in any area of your life is going to cause you to suffer. Do you want to suffer in your body? Do you want to suffer in your finances? Then you need to get that taken care of. How about number seven? How about not walking in love? Mm -mm -mm. Go with me to James. James. We're going to look at James 3, verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion. The Amplified said, unrest and rebellion and every evil work. Galatians 5, 6 talks about the fact that faith works by love. If you're not walking in love, then how in the world can God's love be extended to you? You've put up a roadblock. It's easy if you recognize it and just say, Father, forgive me and go on. Now, sometimes walking, that means when you get forgiveness, means sometimes you have to go back and apologize. Sometimes you have to go back and make some things right. You know, sometimes you, 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 have, you, have, to, you have to make some real changes if you're not walking in love. And it can be in a number of areas. Um, this kind of unforgiveness goes, with, goes right along with this. And it's, not, it's the next one. Unforgiveness does nothing but keep you bitter. Unforgiveness needs to be put in its place. If Jesus shed his blood and the Father freely forgives us because of what Jesus has done and the price he paid, who are we not to forgive someone else? Remember the story of the servant who went to his master who owed the master an enormous amount of money, and the master forgave him all. And then he went out, and a fellow servant that owed him very small amount, he would not forgive him. 
The master found out about that and came back. And that, that servant paid the price because he treated his fellow servants so badly. I, you know, this was a very interesting story. But some pastor friends of ours told us about this um, several years ago. They had a lady in their church that was one of their prominent members of their church. And, um, you know, she'd been there, I guess, since the beginning when they first started their church. It was, you know, very... Um, involved in the church and all that. And she, uh, she got cancer, and, and she was not getting healed. And I mean, this was, this was a bold move on the pastor's part. But one Sunday morning, I mean, she was getting near death. And she was in the service that morning. And, uh, you know, they had talked to her about, you know, did she, was she harboring any unforgiveness toward anybody? And, oh, no, no, I, I'm not, I'm not. And then, then the pastor had her come, and I guess she was, she was up, she was right there where they could pray for her, and they stopped and they said something very interesting. They said, well, there's nobody else that you need to forgive, and she said, not that I'm aware of. And the pastor looked up and he said, is there anybody in here who has been offended by this, anything this woman has done to you? And an enormous amount of people stood up. Enormous amount of people stood up. And they, with one voice, pretty much said, we forgive you. And at that moment, they laid their hands on this woman, and she was instantly healed. I'm telling you what, unforgiveness is a powerful thing. And for offending other people is just as powerful a problem as you being offended by someone else. We need to make sure that we keep our hearts right toward other people and make sure that we haven't offended somebody else. So many times offense comes as just, as just a result of misunderstanding. And instead of going to someone and getting it straightened out, we let things fester. And this, no, nobody had come to this woman. Nobody had said anything to her. And here she was at death's door, and yet that day, when they all stood up, I, I, you know, I have to, I have to, to kind of go back and, and and remember what they told me that this this lady was kind of a, um, very blunt. I don't know if that's a good word or not. Um, you know, what I'm, you're the kind of person I'm talking about, who doesn't take care with their words and doesn't and doesn't use wisdom in how they say things. Um, and that's what had happened, was that she had offended a lot of people with just her personality. Listen, your personality may be kind of brusque. We may say, oh, they're just a Yankee, you know, or whatever. You know, oh, they're just Irish, or whatever. You know, that doesn't give you the leeway to offend other people. That's no excuse. God expects us to walk in love and to walk in forgiveness and to speak softly. You know, there have been, there have been a, I remember somebody one time came to me and because I had come through, it was before church and, and things were happening and, and I was having to take care of something and I just, I just said something about something that needed to be taken care of and they came to me later and said, well, you were just so mean when you came and you told me that. And I said, it's almost church time. I'm in business mode. 
You know, you shouldn't have been offended about something I asked you to do to start with. But if you took my tone wrongly, I didn't mean it that way. But it was something that needed to get. Don't be touchy. Don't be so gum touchy. You know, we come in here, it's to do kingdom business, and somebody shouldn't have to come up to you and say, honey, would, would you mind, you know, taking care of this for me? Would you mind doing this? No, I just need to be able to come up and say, I need you to take care of this for me. Would you mind doing this? Could you please do this? I mean, you try, but sometimes, you know, things are popping at the moment, and you don't have time for that. Then there are times when I mean to be brusque, when I've got somebody out there in, in my lobby who took a directory out of, the, out of the, uh, the bookstore for their own nefarious purposes, and I go and say, I want that back, and I want it back now. I don't have to be nice. When I have a lady standing out there complaining about everything about our church, and I take her into a side room and say, you cannot talk like that around here. I don't need to be nice. I need to be firm. I need to make sure she understands I mean what I say. But for all of us who work together, give everybody some leeway, you know? If we're in, in business mode, kingdom business mode, just do what you need to do. And if it kind of ruffled your feathers a little put your, just smooth them out. Somebody said, you know, the old saying is, if that rubs the fur the wrong way, turn the kitty around. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Number nine, worry. Worry. You cannot worry when it comes to your body and to the symptoms that are in your body. Um, worry will make you sick. My mom, who's in heaven, was a class act worrier about everything. Family situations would just keep her in turmoil. I'm going, Mama, it's not your responsibility. It's not your job. There isn't anything you can do about it anyway. Nothing you can do is going to change this. You've got to stop worrying. Well, you just don't understand. I'm going, the Bible says casting all of your care. It says take no thought. She was going to worry come hell or high water. She was going to worry about it. And she would tell me how she didn't sleep the night before. She didn't, she didn't go to, get, be able to get to sleep until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning for worrying about this. And I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just hanging my head going, oh, Lord, 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 what in the world are you going to do with this woman? But you, there, there's a lady I know from a pastor who told me this story that they had a woman in their church who was worried about everything, every little thing in her body she was worried over, worried sick over. And, and she would go to her house. This, the pastor would go to this woman's house and would sit with her and go over scriptures and, and read the word to her and encourage her. And she was still worrying. She wound up in the hospital. And she was just worried, and, and, she was, and she was just so full of worry. She eventually died. And the, the, uh, the doctors said, can we do it? Ask the family, can we do an autopsy? We're mystified. We don't know. And they did an autopsy. They couldn't find a thing wrong with her. Worry killed her. Worry. Worry is a sin, folks. We cannot let ourselves go there. 
We cannot put ourselves in a place where we're just worried, 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 worried. There's an answer. You need to find your answer that's in the Word of God and stop the worrying, casting all of your care on Him because He cares about you. He cares for you. Think on these things. And it tells you what things to think about. Start recounting the blessings. Start recounting all the things that he's done for you. Start recounting all the ways he's shown himself strong. Think about all the wonderful things. And stop your worrying. And with that, I'm going to stop for tonight. Because we've got another seven or eight of these to go. So we're going to come back to this. But I just want you to understand there, there are things that we do that open the door. And our job is to make sure we find where the door is open. We find where the power line is down. We do something about it. Get it repaired. Don't just look at it and go, oh, man, that's bad. If I touch that, I'm going to get electrocuted. No, you're the lineman. You can fix it. You know, we're going to find out what these things are. We're going to do something about it. So when the enemy comes our way, we don't fall into the trap of letting our bodies stay sick. But we're going to get to a place where we're going to get our bodies back in line with the, what the Word of God says. And the, the price that, I, can't, I can't come back to this constantly, the price that Jesus paid was too enormous for us to dismiss or to take lightly. We cannot do that. That is, that is rude. That is not the will of God for you. It is the height of arrogance to say that God's word is not true or God's word is not big, not big enough to do what, we need, what needs to be done. We are the healed of the Lord. We are. Let, isn't that one verse say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so? Let the healed of the Lord say so. And let the heels of the Lord say it and mean it because they're based on the word. Amen. Good night. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.